Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, Lee. I, good morning, Chris. I'm, I'm sure that is exactly what people are uh, downloading for. Almost said tuning in. Do you tune into podcasts? Well, I don't see why not. I, I mean, you can't. I mean, it's not like a radio station, but it is, you know, you can tune in digitally, I guess. You can tune in through your podcast app um or via the uh, thinking church website uh, I mean, www.thinking.church/podcast see what you did there chris that was that was good that was good i mean seamless seamless so um and I, I did want to pick up at the start because um sometimes we nail our colors to the mass on certain topics and things that we enjoy or don't don't enjoy yes um I saw that we we had a YouTube video go out where you're you're wearing an Arsenal shirt. That's that's true. So I'm um, just put that there. that's that, that that that's that's a statement. Um, I'm just wondering, like, how's that going for you right now? <laughs> well, at the time of recording, Arsenal had just lost three nil um, to Aston Villa, uh, and it's fair to say it wasn't the best of games and so at the moment being an Arsenal fan isn't the easiest thing but do you know what it's uh many things in life aren't easy but that you know we don't do it because it's easy uh we get that sweet reward from from utter devastation I think and uh I think that's that's the life of an Arsenal fan yeah that that's it I'm, I'm sure this um it's one it's one of those topics that we we might actually receive more messages about who you support in football than we do about the topics we discuss. Yes, I mean that might happen, and um, it's the only football shirt that I have. And I, I, it was one of those things that I mean I, I really like football, but I never I really have football shirts. But this season, after Arsenal's triumphant FA Cup victory, I wanted to uh, show my support for Arteta's men. And uh, and buy a football shirt, but uh, obviously that has not been the best idea so far because we're playing pretty dismally. So uh, uh, maybe I shouldn't have bought the shirt. And may- so it's all on me. It's all my fault. If I hadn't bought the shirt with Abamyang fourteen, who's barely scored a goal since, then you know what? It probably would have been all good. So I, I, I like the way that we're now touching on superstitious thinking, <laughs> fatalism. I think that's what it's called, fatalism, and um, it's all because of me that it's all going wrong. I think it's it, you look at it before that we were all doing well. It's clear. Oh dear, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's funny. Yeah, we. I mean, you know, we'll put it up there for those of you who you know listen to this who are also Arsenal fans. Um, uh, you have our sympathies. Um, and those of you who are listening and aren't, uh, thanks for sticking with us through this difficult time. Um, but but also, I, I apologise on behalf of Chris because the, these these videos are are certainly becoming 
something else. I I do I really enjoy yeah. the crisps. I think they I think they are fantastic. Thank you, thank you. Um, I had someone. I think there's some people on Facebook have said to me, Chris, I think you're losing the plot, and I can't disagree with them at this stage. But do you know what? I I losing, kind of enjoy it. Lost. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Well, oh, it's, it's Arsenal all over again. Yeah, I think it is. Um, so maybe it's my sort of um. My mental state is uh, on show for all to see uh, on YouTube, uh, but I hope they are enjoyable, and I hope that um, that you learn a lot from them as well, because their their thoughts and you know little snippets of strategy. This is the kind of the long form, really, of of the, not the long form of those videos, because we don't go to that uh, that lengths of uh, of interestingness. Uh, we we but they are these are interesting, and indeed today we are going to be talking about volunteers. Um, or as I'm going to be calling it, no more volunteers. Um, I think yeah, we, it, need to, we need to have a chat about these titlings as well, Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, at the moment, <laughs> if, until you can think of a better name, these these crazy names are going to happen. Um, it's because as soon as we think of the subject, I then think about a really poor pun to go with it. So we had hieroglyphics about hiring. Um, we're going to rock down to the lockdown number two. Um, which I think that wasn't too bad. And then we had another one. I can't really remember at the moment. Um, it, was, it was something else. It was something, it was a, it was a poor pun based upon something, but um, there we are. Volunteering is what we're going to be talking about. Um, so why don't we get into it? Um, Lee, I think what's a, a good place to start is, it, I think it's suffice to say that some churches struggle with the whole concept of having volunteers and, uh, we make some mistakes. So could you just talk me through some of the mistakes that we make as churches that you've noticed? Um, look, you don't have to, please don't single out any churches. We don't want to do that. That's not what we're here to do. But maybe we're, we're, we're finding some general mistakes that churches are making when it comes to volunteers. Yeah. And, and again, our usual caveat, as we have every week, we're talking about the thinking that goes behind volunteering and how to support that in your in your churches and your projects. Um, we will have some bits here that jump into kind of like more legal and more, some of the more practical or things that are um, definite. And that's supporting material that we're going to link out to. But I think this is one where it's, you know, it's webinar territory of having some experts come on to actually talk about the practical applications. And I think that's mistake number one. We don't give volunteering the level of attention that it actually requires. We, we seem to think that it's a real easy, <clears throat> really light thing. And maybe we don't give it quite enough um, thought as to actually what's going on when we ask somebody or somebody offers to volunteer um, and then what they do and what that looks like. And, you know, that's, there's levels of supervision and support. Is that required? Do they still need uh, safeguarding, DBS checks? Is there a level of training involved? Um, what about expenses, health and safety? Does your insurance cover volunteers doing certain things? Have you checked with your insurer? Um, there's all sorts of things that need to need to happen there. And the, the typical mistakes are we let every, every team in our church that needs volunteers 
has a different process to engage a volunteer. So there's no consistency or about what they're getting into. An expectation that they function almost the same as someone who's employed. Therefore, if they're volunteering, they are held to a very much the same standard. And, you know, whereas I get it, it's, we know we want people to do well. If they're going to volunteer, we want it to be serious. But at the same time, they're a, they're a volunteer. It's not quite the same obligation as if they were under an employment contract for it. So, you know, be mindful there. Uh, no get out. People that have started volunteering are still doing it 45 years later um, because there was no way off and they did it so well. Um, it's the usual things. It's making sure that people aren't overcommitted, that we don't stress them and burn them out. This is normally on top of something they're doing elsewhere, um, either in paid employment or other areas of life where they're um, giving time full time. So we want to make sure that it's you know appropriate and right sized and that we have the right level of expectation on them and that we're clear, be clear about what their boundaries are and um, what's expected of them. So that's, I think, you know, the, the biggest mistake really is treating them like an employee and lack of clarity and the, the discrepancies between the onboarding, between being in one team as to another team. So it's, you know, you volunteer to be on the car parking team and it's a really low barrier to entry. People come on, you get given a high-vis jacket and off you go. And then other people to get on to, say, uh, a real technically driven team that got a level of training or there's some uh, certification required to make sure you're operating at a certain standard. And all of a sudden it seems more formalized and there's a heavier interview process. But actually, do all of these support the direction of the mission? You know, we come back to that every week. It's like actually the people understand what their volunteering supports. Um, or you know we don't want to make people just like busy work so you know and are, are we are we checking out that people are using their gifts appropriately in the volunteer roles that they've got um, and the things can be time limited so yeah common mistakes um, I think it just goes by people it's a misunderstanding about actually what volunteering is and what it entails and again because it's different seems to seems to be a different process everywhere we go um, but you've got to have you've got to have a process that fits your church and fits your project and has that clarity and is led. Uh, so it comes back to the mission. Let's get into this then, which is we need to work out then why volunteering is, is so important in the life of the church. Couldn't, because at the end of the day, couldn't we just get staff to do everything? Why, why have volunteers in the first place? So I think there's many. Let's just take a kind of like a, a real cold look at that one. Most churches are charities. We are dependent on giving and given income. Um, and donations you are unlikely to have the resource to employ every role that you need to do the work of your organization and what that looks in putting it you know reaching people and serving people and serving your community so the expectation is that you you need help and then you know chris i'll let you expand on that you know 
there's a biblical side to that as well. So we've got like, you know, there's a bit of a black and white side, a very, very practical, but let's just put that out there as uh, as a very much, uh, you know, this is just a thing. The biblical side of it as well. It's part of our giving. It's part of our growing. It's part of our discipling. It's part of our building community. It's about serving people. And that that element of kind of like giving beyond maybe when we can't, it's not always a financial commitment to what we're doing, but giving our, giving our time is a heavy investment, um, uses our gifts in another way and harnesses to do things that a church on its own might not otherwise be able to do by using the practical experience and skills of people from the congregation who are able to operate at a higher level that you just couldn't afford as an organisation. You know, we've I've been in churches where there are there are people who bring skills to some of the projects that they're doing from corporate settings where you you would never afford that so the fact that these people are willing to give uh so freely um we need to be very respectful of and very mindful of but um yeah that that that's why it's important it is actually the lifeblood of us going as a church and for the health of the church um and yeah i don't know do, do you want to pick up on any of the more kind of like the the, the, the biblical uh, aspect as a parallel to that yeah yeah absolutely um well when we first thought about this my my thoughts went to ephesians chapter 4 and i'll, I'll read uh, that and it's verse 11 and 12 i'm reading from the nlt which i'm going to call the not literal translation um no i like the nlt i think it's very nice uh, and it says this uh, these are the gifts that christ gave to the church the apostles the prophets the evangelists and the pastors and teachers now this has been normally where we stop and have a nice conversation about those roles and say you know who's the evangelists and pastors and teachers and and we try and work out all of that stuff but uh, what it talks about next it says is their responsibility is to equip god's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So what we've got is we've got some leadership gifts that have been identified in the church, which are there to equip God's people to do his work, which means that doing the work of God is the whole church's responsibility, which means that we've all got to get involved volunteering, whether that is in um, in, in in the church, outside of the church, in the community. I think volunteering, and now obviously this doesn't just mean in terms of doing the organizational church work, it means doing the work of ministry in your workplace and in your schools and all those things as well. But I think there's an element that that the gathered church, that there is the work of ministry, which is the job of everyone. And so if ministry is everyone's job, then then we have leaders that are there to equip people to do that. So I think volunteering is, is vital in the life of every church and i think it should be the aim of every single church to have every single person who calls that church their home to be volunteering volunteering should be the the aim of of, of every person at every church and um i mean i've always grown up where volunteering is just part of my normality and so i can't remember a time when i've not volunteered as part of uh the church that i've attended uh and so for me it's very natural i know for, for other people it's, it's less so and different uh denominations will have different ways of interacting with that but i think that there's there's definitely a really good thought that as churches we need to encourage volunteering uh whether that's in the service or in the community uh as much as possible yeah i mean i'm with you i 
in all the churches I've been in, I think sometimes I've I've ended up volunteering before I've got involved um, in, 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 in other ways that almost volunteering has also been one of the things that's kept me in some of the churches I've been in that actually you find you find places and belonging and we have to don't underestimate how much people grow themselves through those processes and the friendships um as well as what you're putting back um and on the, on that practical side of it as well this this is it it is good for the ind- it's good for individuals um it's good for groups development um but we we need some clear stuff around the volunteering opportunities even the ministries because just because somebody's got a skill and they volunteer and you do something doesn't mean then that you have to keep that going just because you've got some people who can service it as well so it's i've seen i've seen in one or two locations and uh, churches i've been in, in the past where uh we haven't killed the ministry off when perhaps we should have let it go because some it was it was somebody serving and we and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that's healthy that we kept something going and kind of like leading them on and letting it you know flogging a dead horse as it were um is that is, is, is that good so you know have clear boundaries around the stuff that you're doing i mean that's more about the ministries and the projects that you do as a church as well as the church operating but I, I would expect that over this period of COVID, that since the beginning, that, you know, the technical reliance to find people who will volunteer at this point is people who've been at home. Maybe there's been a bit more time, especially with things like furlough and those that um, may have experienced those things, that maybe they were able to give. If you built towards their capacity during a time where they're available, what are you doing on the other side of it? Now they might not be available and they've gone back to, you know, gone back to full-time employment um, or, you know, maybe their circumstances have changed that we have to be really careful to manage that balance as well. And, you know, be very uh, mindful of that, that somebody with time at a particular point in their life might not have it ongoing. So I've seen technical expertise built, delivering great online services, people doing church in new ways that's really innovating and pushing the boundary. And then those people have returned to uh, return to jobs or there's changing circumstances as a result of what we're going through, uh, um, you know, nationally. And now they're not available. Like you can't put that expectation on them that like, well, no, you, you must keep giving this. Uh, it's actually uh, what do we build around it that, other people can carry it as well. So building a volunteer team, we're not just on about building a single volunteer and then putting all that pressure on an individual. We want it to be that actually some of those people in volunteer positions need the support from other people around them who are uh, you know, building and developing the health of the church to make sure they're supported to spread that load to other people. And you know, is it appropriate to pass it off to other people when it's done 80% as well, 60% as well as they can do it? How do you create the learning opportunity? Also, what's sustainable? Uh, what can you do as a church to make sure that the, the standard of that volunteering is consistent and that it doesn't have a, you know, a big spike when one of your people with super amount of skill and experience is there, then the next week the standard drops. Like, how do you get it consistent? Um, you know, there's all these things to think 
through but really it comes down to just don't overly rely on an individual and also don't expect anybody in a volunteer position to be there forever it's that's that's unreasonable as an expectation as much as we like it when something is done very well um and adversely if somebody's in a position they're volunteering and they're doing poorly how do you sack a volunteer Mm. you know how do you have those conversations um you know, I, think, I hope that nobody has to experience that. Yeah. But sometimes, just because somebody wants to have a go as well, is that actually, how, how do you work that out? Well, I, I think it's really interesting because, I mean, I, I come at this from a, uh, my, my serving opportunity has normally been in the worship team. Um, I'm a worship leader. And you see this, I think this is a really good microcosm of, of things working well and things working badly. So a team can be built because you've got someone who's a really great musician. But the problem is, if you build the whole team around that great volunteer guitarist or whatever, then, you know, as soon as he's off on holiday, the whole thing falls down. So you've got to you always have to find a way to systematize this. So it's not reliant on the individual, but where the individual can bring their skills and abilities to complement what's happening. So you always have to move it out because if it was just all built on you know one person two people if they go or they move or whatever then the whole thing falls down so we and and ministries get built you know you get someone who's maybe a great you know um video creator and suddenly you know they start creating all these videos and this becomes the norm um but if they don't build a team to be able to make those videos uh then then once that person moves on or they get another job or, or whatever that stops and then suddenly you you have this gap so um it what what you need to do is find that way to be able to systematize it to be able to you know the genius that will be in a volunteer which may not be right for them to become a a staff member just because they're a great volunteer or have a really great skill doesn't mean that they should become a staff member but you've got to find a way and i think it's the role of leaders in the church is to be able to find out the gold that's in people and be able to teach that to other people. And that doesn't mean, and often, especially in technical skilled things like music or like video or those kind of things. Um, it's often the person who's good at it is not very good at teaching it. Um, that I often find that. So you've got to find ways that you can, that is not reliant on just one individual uh, and also that also means that you've got to have uh, a standard of excellence that's going to be in place. You can't, like, like you said, you, you can't just have anyone. I know this, especially from a band perspective. If someone can't sing, uh, it doesn't matter how, you know, how uh, worshipful they look on stage. I think it's disingenuous to, you know, I, I've, I've heard it before where they, you know, people and churches put someone on stage because they, they look really engaging, but they can't sing. So they just turn the microphone off. I think it's really disingenuous. Uh, and I don't actually uh, like that at all. Um, and actually what we need to do is be able to say, actually, no, no, we do have a standard here. We're going to adhere to a standard. Um, and, and we're not just going to allow anyone on just to systematize it. Um, we'd rather find and wait for the right people, the right volunteers to be able to do that or find um another way of doing it you know i find an, uh, you know find a way that you can automate that system uh so i know f- for for my worship team that i'm a part of at my church if we don't have a bassist 
Uh, although I actually ended up playing the bass the other day and I can say I was awesome. Um, but, um, no, but I'm not normally a bassist. And if we don't normally have that, we would use a, a backing track because instead of just allowing anyone on because we need to have enough bassists to cover the roster or just having that one really good bassist on all the time and flogging the dead horse until, you know, flogging the horse until he dies, um, that's not good either. Another way is to, if we, if we can't find people, is to look for that uh, automated system. And so for us, that's using uh, a backing track where we've got a bassist if we don't have someone to be able to do that. So I think yeah. standard's really important, but, um, but you need people. But what you don't want to do is drop your standard to allow anyone on. Um, and I think that's true in actually, there are, there are many serving opportunities where actually I think that we, we sometimes think, oh, there's no standard of excellence there, you know, welcome team or, you know, car park team. Oh, anyone can do it. I don't think that's true. I think that there's still a standard of excellence and we want, it's about, we've got to make sure we find the right people for the right roles. I'm going to add into that. Don't expect because somebody is an excellent teacher, excellent musician, excellent sound engineer in their professional capacity, that that's how they are going to choose to volunteer. Yeah, that's really true. We might want them to because of the level of expertise and experience that they bring, but we can't dictate how people are going to volunteer their time. We might have a chat with them. Maybe they're the people to bring in and chat to and say, look, we know this isn't what you want to do, but you have such a wealth of experience in this area. Would you provide very limited, time limited, lower commitment element of training to some of our other people to push them on in that direction? But I've, I've you know, I've been where I've seen people, the expectation on those who are great, as particularly the teachers to do kids work, Mm-hmm. Or the fact that if you're a parent, that you will take a turn on the kids work rotor as well, things like that. It's, um, I think, you know, we just have to be mindful that's, that's not how everyone's going to receive that. Um, so don't, don't put that expectation um, on people, because you don't know what's going to come out or what else they might want to do, or that person who now wants to get involved in another ministry area or something that's more pastoral, might actually have such a when they're giving of themselves into that, the how what what it does for the individual as well. This isn't their this isn't their professional capacity all the time. This is about how they are giving and what it does for the individual as much as for those that they're now serving. So you know, be really mindful that we don't put that expectation on people or parents just because they've got kids that they're going to be great in a room and want to do the kids' work or run the crash. Um, we don't know what's going on in people's lives often, you know, elsewhere and what pressures they might be receiving and why. What we're also doing is respite for them as an individual, particularly if they're newer into the church and we haven't, you know, got some of that level of background. Look, just be just be gentle with people. Nothing, nothing is better than the shoulder tap to invite someone to a volunteering opportunity. You know, so, you know, make friends, listen to people, see who's available. Uh, but you know be kind and give people time 
I think there's one other thing that we probably missed in thinking about how churches can often do volunteering wrong. I think it's that when you have too many teams, this becomes an issue. And it's, it's because of this. Uh, there is nothing more demoralizing than when you feel like you're completely stretched as a volunteer team, that you don't have enough volunteers. And that's normally not because you haven't got enough people in your church serving. Actually, I think that a lot of churches do really well with getting volunteers uh, into serving. What the problem is, is that many churches have way too many programs. And that means they're, they're so thinly spread that it just yeah. cause it, what it causes in that team is we can't keep this going. We're always running out, you know, in the red zone, in, as it were, where it's just really hard. And actually what would be better is if you just reduce down the number of teams, there's nothing better than having a really great team dynamic because you've got the, the right number of people in the team. It's better to do a lot less and do it well and have that great team dynamic. You will achieve more as a church by doing less because the the volunteers will enjoy it more if they if they know that they don't have to be on every single Sunday to serve, but they are part of a team and they've got that dynamic where it's not just you know two people that are serving every single week, but they've got a team of six, seven, eight, nine, and plus people that can be on a team create that great team dynamic. I think that creates for a much better serving opportunity. Yeah, and look, I. I'll, I'll share from my own personal experience of somebody who's been in a church environment and I, I don't blame from the church environment at all, but we, we as a team uh, started fulfilling positions that needed doing because we started running at a level uh, that was maybe a step beyond where we were at that time. So to maintain that, I, I remember there was a there was a very, very long period. And I'm talking like more, you know, more than a year of where I didn't miss a Sunday because I wasn't prepared to let some stuff drop. Now, that's as much on me, but actually I also didn't set a good example. So that for people watching, why would anybody come to volunteer? Because nobody looks and thinks, if I get involved, that guy can have a day off. They think, that guy's stressed and stretched. And if I get involved, I'll be stressed and stretched. It's just that weird way that we often look at things. So we had to like re-look at the whole volunteer piece from the ground up to make sure that we were setting good standards and boundaries uh, for what volunteering looked like, that people were attracted to it rather than stepping away from it. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good, um, a really good point. Um, there's a, another thing that I was thinking about there is that when you've got someone say like if you've been serving on a team for a year now, um, I don't actually know which area it was that you were serving, but let's say it was in the kids department and you were serving as a kids leader and you were on every single Sunday. That means that you are taken out of the service to run the kids work every single Sunday. So your ability to be hearing, you know, what God's saying to the church and hearing the vision that's come, that will be delivered on a Sunday, all those things you miss out on so much because you're, you're serving. So actually then it becomes detrimental even to your discipleship because your discipleship is reliant on the Sunday service should be part of your discipleship journey that's helping you grow 
in your faith. And so if we have serving opportunities, now there'll always be some serving opportunities where it's going to take you out of the, the, the Sunday service. And if, you've, if you're only running one service on a Sunday, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to do it. You know, it's easier with, when you do two services because you can swap teams around if you've got that level of team. But you've got to think about it from that point of view as well, is the individual's discipleship. If you're constantly just taking someone out of the Sunday service to serve on an area, whilst that service is like that uh, serving opportunity is growing them, taking them out of, say, a Sunday service is actually going to be detrimental. So you're kind of like robbing Peter to give to Paul in that sense that it's yeah. not you're not creating a net gain by doing it and what volunteering should be is this gain where it's a discipleship thing it's helping people grow and be part of a, a, a wider mission and uh, being something bigger being involved in something bigger than themselves so I think it's really important if you've got if you're just constantly taking people out of a Sunday service I think you need to rethink about how you're doing that, what you're doing, you need to get more volunteers involved. And if that means completely shutting down a whole other ministry, especially, I think, I always think about the kids leaders because they do such a sterling job, kids leaders across the, the UK. And if there's a way that you can make sure that those kids leaders are listening to the Sunday service and being involved and not, you know, I know we're not in the room at the moment, but when we're back in the room to be in the room, I think it's really important because you have that, you catch something that's more than just um, watching it back by yourself or listening to a podcast. Um, yeah. I think that's trying to find ways that they can interact in that. I think it's really important. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I think you touched on another one there as well, is that if you go to multiple services, that's, that's, that's a, whole different ball game when it comes to volunteer teams there is when you basically end up with shift patterns of volunteers to fulfill identical functions you, you're into something else entirely and it's yeah that that that's another level of difficulty itself because you still probably need some level of coordination to actually oversee it and that's where maybe you end up with a volunteer or a community coordinator as an employed post to actually have that as their thing that they're that they're now going to oversee um, and to coordinate all those teams. So I think you know if you start stepping into that territory, you probably do need to look at an employed role that has some level of stability and purpose linked in on a day-to-day -day basis, not just on the days when volunteering is required to ensure that that is going to be supervised, well-managed, and that you can start looking at the things that are super important to volunteer teams because you've probably got a lot of volunteers by that point, which is role descriptions, how we onboarded people, training that was required, do we review them, how do they get out, what's the tenure kind of like the post length like, and what do you do to you know, reward and recognition, and how do you do that well? So those are things that you like go, sounds a lot like you would do if you had employees. It's like, yeah, the whole thing is a mirror. It's like the whole thing comes up again on the volunteer side of stuff. And this is what gets left. But again, it comes down to if they know they're on mission and they know that they're clear and everything is well packaged and they understand all the elements of it, you, you've got f way fewer things that can go wrong. And, you know, we say this regularly to lots and lots of clients um, across the board, no matter who we're working with. But the more something is documented, the less you will need to refer to it. 
So there is people like, oh, I don't need a job description or a role description or a volunteer agreement. You don't need these things. You know, we're all right. We're just on pal level and we can just have a chat. Yeah, till something goes wrong. Now, it's worth the investment to make sure you've got some of this stuff documented and done right. That is for God's glory. OK, doing things right is 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 good. Right. And what we should be doing. So the more things you've got documented, yes, the less you'll need to refer to them. But you've got it there in case anybody ever gives you any pushback or anybody says anything or something does go wrong. And it's not so much, you know, uh, at, at some point, something will go wrong. We, we're not in a world now, uh, and I don't think we ever have been, where stuff is like, you know, always just perfect. So you need to have stuff there for, uh, it's a bit, <clears throat> a bit like your risk assessments and health and safety. We get told a lot, but that's never happened. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because you've got health and safety and risk assessment. Like you, you know how to manage that and, and do it similar thing when it comes to the people that you're engaging have the stuff in place to make sure that they are supported cared for looked after it is honorable to do that Many churches shy away from giving volunteers job descriptions because I think they're worried about putting too much and giving so much um, of a steer about what they want from a volunteer that it becomes too much or it takes too long to write. And that's the other one. There's so many volunteer roles. How are you going to take the, find the time to write all of those things down? Um, I've started using quite a simple system of... Uh, of creating job descriptions because I want them uh, to be as short as possible because volunteers are only going to read a certain amount. And I've come down to a few small things, which is number one, why, why do they do the role? So why does this role exist? So what is it there to achieve? What's the, how is it helping to achieve the, the broader vision of the church? I think that's really important. And it should be the number one thing, because if you can have that written down, your role is to do this in order to achieve this of what we're trying to achieve as a church, the ongoing mission yeah. of the church. If you can link those two, the big why piece, first of all, I think it really sets it up well. And I think it's, I think that makes it uh, a more inspirational job when uh, job role, when you want to, uh, you know, tap a volunteer on the shoulder, we'd like you to do this, or why do we want you to do this? Well, this is where, how it links to how, where we're moving as a church, what we're trying to achieve. This is the mission of the church. And I think that it, when you can do that, first of all, that's really important. So after the why, secondly, I'd say it becomes then the what. So what are you responsible for and what are you not responsible for? And that's just giving the clear remit of here's your role. Here's what you're responsible for. Here's what you're not responsible for. That I think the, the, normally the thing is you, you go why, how and, and what. But how I think you can leave empty because how it will be mostly based upon your values. And actually, you don't want to man, over mandate the how of like we, you know, we pour the tea exactly like this. I don't think that that's a, uh, a a really great way to go around it. And um, and I think it will just put too much level of of detail 
in. Um, you can hit some of that in training, but as a job description, I don't think you need that. Um, and then the last thing is just who um, who you are accountable to, who you're responsible for. If it's kind of a leadership volunteer role, you need to know where you sit in the org chart and and you know how how the thing functions and flows. I think that's really important. And I think so. If you get those th three things the the why, the what, and the who I think that's a really easy way to create a, a job description really really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And the, you know, that agreement that you get with them, a role description for like what they're volunteering for, volunteer role description, set the expectations. Like if you're clear from the, the set, it's like, no, you're in, you're in a position where, yes, you're volunteering, but if, if it doesn't happen, we're going to have a problem with everything that we're doing is to actually put that in there. It's like, you know, we, you, you can set an expected standard of timekeeping, uh, alerts if you're unable to make it, when you need dates by of absence and those kind of things. You can have all of that in there. There's nothing wrong with that because the volunteer-driven organisations, we we're going to have that some of the things that we do rely. Now, we all know that things happen and every so often you'll turn up on a Sunday morning, you'll be like, why is the building locked? Where's the sound guy? Uh, where's, you know, where's where's all these bits and pieces? And it's like, yeah, stuff happens, yeah? Like, at the end of the day, we are also, in one sense, not professional organisations in the sense, no, quite that quite that way. But look, stuff, stuff happens. So we need to be flexible as well with our volunteers to a degree. But, like, the expectation is, is that most of that can be resolved with a good agreement and good understanding from the start. That it's like, hey, we expect things to be uploaded into systems on a Thursday night. So we've got time before Sunday to check and review. If you're on the sound team and the worship team, like we expect you to be part of what's happening and not just sat around. We expect you to be in here at, you know, 8.30 for practices at 9.15. Just, you know, come up with what works for you and do it collaboratively with the people maybe who are already volunteering. That's going to shape this incredibly well because they'll know the problems and the issues before you do as the leader in one of those areas so yeah work it out with them and uh get it documented and set the standards and then you'll know what to expect and they know what to expect and everybody's clear yeah that's right and so once we've got a job description we then then need to on ramp the volunteer really well yeah and lee talk to us a little bit about how we can think about on ramping a, a volunteer again this this is uh actually to fact this was one of the most fun little workshops we did with your church Chris about looking at the onboarding of volunteers uh so so what happens is is your your your, your kids team the refreshments team your pastoral team the worship team the buildings parking team they all have different ways of doing it because they if you've grown from being smaller and now you're getting the health and you're seeing the growth what happens is that those people have personalities in in those teams and it happens and they attract because of the nature of the individual who's doing the ask so then i volunteer on the kids team and my process was eight steps uh, to get on board and get checked and go through and then i go and volunteer on another team and as long as i show up um, I, I'm, I'm in, and, but nobody spoke to me. I wasn't given any instruction. Like, we, we need to make sure there are some things that we can have a good process that, that covers off 
uh, an initial meeting, finding somebody to be alongside you at that early point in your volunteering to uh, be a, a peer mentor, somebody who says, you know, about the role where things are. I don't know, like one of the biggest things, I think turning up on a Sunday if you've got your own building is if something happens, it's like, where are the batteries? You know, those kind of things. So like, you know, a coach, a mentor, somebody alongside you who's been in that position before you, who can give you some uh, inside element of it. Uh, get them to sign up to an agreement and agree how long they're going to do it for. So it's like, hey, look, we'll give you a probation period all the same in this volunteer role. would like to come alongside, attend these meetings. Uh, if there's training, be clear, you're going to need to do this training before you can be left on your own doing X, Y and Z. Uh, or, you know, you can't do this till we've sorted out your background checks. You know, that's that's the biggest one these days in churches, isn't it? It's the background checks for particularly in kids and uh, some of the senior positions. So you need to make sure that these these are the same, even if some of those steps are missing for some of the volunteer positions, but that the process is 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 the same across all of those. So, you know, you get an agreement, we know how long you signed up for, you meet somebody, there's someone who will be a peer mentor, you know your next steps, you know how to raise a concern, you know how to get out if it's not for you, and we're never going to hold it against you if it doesn't work or it doesn't fit or it's not what you expected. Think about those steps to it and work it out so that if anybody says, how do I become a volunteer at this church? That you're not saying, well, if you join the sound team, you do this. But if you join the kids team, you do that. It needs to be, no, this is the volunteering process about how you get to that point in our church that anybody in the congregation could tell anybody else how to do it. So make it make it common. It's like, yeah, you go to that point. That person looks after volunteers. They're there on a Sunday. Go and sign up. After you've signed up, you'll receive an email. Then somebody will arrange a phone call or an interview with you. We'll have a chat to you. We'll talk about your skills. We'll get, get this out like that's we need to be certain what that looks like so get that get that clear at the beginning and it'll be unique and you know we do a really cool workshop around this for people that want to explore it and align all of their different processes uh but yeah just look at it and go through it all in detail yeah i, I would definitely recommend that that workshop that you did uh with my church because you you used lego to do it and i have to say there is none more fun than doing strategic planning as a church with Lego. Uh, so I'd highly recommend that. And uh, if you are interested in that, just drop us an email, hello at thinking.church, and we, we, can, uh, we can work something out for you to do that. Lee is a, a, a Lego master, shall we say. Um, I think what this does is this brings us on to a, the next point, which is about training. And training, there's, there's two parts to the training, I think. There's one side of it, which is what is the job? And how, you know, how can you train that? I think that's one side of it. But the, the bit just before that to hit is when you are bringing a volunteer into a new role, um, it's a significant moment to be able to input into people in terms of values and mission. Uh, I think so. There's a there's a book by um, an author called Horst Schultz or Schultze, uh, who he was part of the Ritz-Carlton uh, chain. And uh, he wrote a book called Excellence Wins, which I, I really recommend you read, and I'll put it in the show notes. And uh, what he talks about is that whenever you start a new job, and you can you can widen this to a volunteer role as well, it's a significant life moment. 
And in, in significant life moments, is it's the one moment in time where you people give permission for their values to be uh, instructed upon or to be to be changed. And actually, this becomes a, this significant life moment means that you can input the values of the church that you want to instill in people. And um, because that's the time when people are most open, when they're trying something new, they're going into something that's that's brand new. So I think there's the first part of the training, which is all about trying to think about so the, the mission, the values that you want to yeah achieve as a church i think that it's a significant moment and don't miss that opportunity and often i think this is the interesting thing is that church leaders will often delegate the training of volunteers when actually this could be one of the most important areas that you as a, a senior leader of a church actually input you don't have to do all of the technical training but inputting values this is the, your most valuable moment even more valuable than the sunday because it's a significant life moment so use that opportunity really 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 well uh, the other part of it is on onboarding you know the the training of the actual skill itself lee do you want to just uh, input into that side how we can think about training a volunteer technically yeah. well look every volunteer position no matter what it is requires training okay this is everything from do they know how to exit the building in case of emergency through to where do we keep the batteries uh bin bags you know practical things that's all an element of training okay because this that's that's knowledge that they probably don't have when they just start with you okay so if you're in your own building that's going to be fairly consistent if you're in rented space different thing entirely but like every every position that you have requires some level of training okay the next bit is if you've got uh if it's if it's a say a more skilled position and we often turn to sound lighting video which most churches have in some capacity look that can be that can be complicated and we were at a point you know, 10 years ago when sound desks and that were all analog and now we're moving more towards digital technology. But before you make those changes, understand the impact on your volunteer teams and the staff teams, what training has to be put in place to make sure that people can make that transition. Do they do they understand uh, new, new technologies uh, that you're now using church suite not planning center that the people doing the collection and the offering do they know now that you're logging all of that in expense plus uh, or that you you know you've now got a stewardship account and you know there's 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 myriad issues that can arise through lack of technical training so be clear that actually people need to evidence that they do have some skill or be be willing to uh, learn, but then have providers either, you know, some level you'll be able to do this internally. This person will just tell that person, you know, peer learning, absolutely fantastic. We love that kind of stuff. Other times it's no. In our kids' work, so that we know how to understand educational needs like you would in a school environment we're going to bring somebody in to train some of our volunteers and give them some skills so that they know how to recognize this and work with it within our own congregation because we don't know who's going to visit so we don't know what might happen on a week-to-week basis we're going to make sure that our people are trained and have that knowledge 
uh, on as many things as we can. Like you wouldn't rethink, you wouldn't doubt the need for first aid, fire marshalling, people who can steward, uh, people who know how to, you know, get people into a building and how to exit a building. That is quite a skill. Like there is more to that than we think other than just opening the doors. You know, there's there's, there's things to consider. Um, so make sure that you have training plans in and that you've thought this through across the board and that you work with your existing teams. That you work out what you can do internally and what you need to bring in from external providers. But make sure that there is a commitment to training at your volunteer level and not just for paid staff. This is another thing that is honourable uh, for everybody involved and is a thing that we need to do right. encourage you uh, churches across the UK to, to not just think about uh, training I think having training where you go up to the church building and you sit there on a Saturday all day no one wants to do that and I know that there's some of it where you have to be in the room but if you can try and make it online now I understand but before you know anyone starts to write in there are there is some training where it must be done in person but if you can try and do that training online you there's loads of providers that you can use there's you know trained up and you know systems like that who are, who are really good and you know they provide their own things or you can upload your own training as well or you can do it where you record it yourself and just put a survey from you know microsoft forms or something on there and you can just yeah. and and it just shows that people have not just watched it but they've also taking it in as well so there's you can set up your own system pretty cheap uh, or you can use a paid for system which uh, is kind of an all-in wrapped in system but as much as possible yeah. if you can onboard people in the comfort of their own home I think if anything that lockdown has taught us is that you do not need to leave your house to be able to train people well even even the worship team we, we spoke with um with Lee Baker from from 12 Stone Church uh, on it was a previous yeah. podcast I think it was episode five and he used he's created a whole system called Meta which is on YouTube which is there for training worship teams and um and that's their training platform and it's all freely available on on YouTube that you can use to onboard your teams so there's there's loads of things around there's lo there's lots of ways you don't have to do it all yourself if there is another church or another area of you know another place that is doing that better then use their stuff because that's going to really help push you forward faster yeah this is my next thing don't don't hoard your content as if it's just yours bless the communities put it up online look anyone with a camera can create a video chris and put it on youtube Indeed, I, I think that's right. Uh, and like, you know, okay, bit tongue in cheek there. But Chris, it's fair to say that when we first started creating some of these videos, you had no technical expertise in that area. Yeah, I mean, I've made the odd video before. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still using at this moment in time, mark it down, I'm still using iMovie to make everything. Um, I've tried using other systems. I don't know how to use them at the moment. I will learn. Uh, but I'm using a free system and I record all the video on my phone so i use my phone camera and i just stitch it together and find yeah. free music um so you can put things together so it is it needs to be interesting that's the one thing to try and make it engaging it doesn't have to be 
perfect and you, you know, set a bar for yourself though now <laughs> people are gonna go but was 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 it interesting look yeah but also find the people who were good doing stuff to screen and you know video them and share those video clips put them on youtube a lot of these are free services or just some documents well filed in a dropbox account or your sharepoint account something that's available to be made public like it's really really quite easy to do if you've got a website, you've built it on something like WordPress or Squarespace, very easy just to put things up on the back of it, make them available. Not everything has to be behind a login and private. Some stuff does, you know, some forms and details and collection stuff. Yeah, you know, be, be mindful. But the training piece. And again, like if you've got like, you know, digital mixing desks and everybody now needs to use uh, uh, an X32 or a Midas or something like that seriously just go on youtube and search the phrase there are a million videos on how to do things better with all of that equipment uh and if you need it there are people out there who specialize in coming and doing and delivering training in a very engaging way uh and people a lot of people from the church world as well who understand the specific nuances and needs of how we might be doing things so Look, you could do it. You could do it for free. There are paid for approaches. Easiest thing is just start, just start, and go from there. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, let's move on to uh, reviews and and jump off points, um, which I think is a really that we'll bound those two together um, because I think having regular reviews with your volunteers is really important, and giving them the ability to say yes, thank you, I'm done, is is really important. Now we often think that if we don't give them the jump off point then um then we'll keep them longer but in reality uh giving them uh a you know say we want you to sign up for a year will actually increase your volunteers because they know that they are not locked in for all this amount of time and also jump off points are really important because it gives if someone's not very good and i know i know this sounds horrible to say uh and i can say this from a musician point of view that if someone's not very good they've only signed up for a year or six months or, or whatever it is, you can still say, thank you. We'd like you to consider serving here instead. And you can point them to somewhere else. You don't, you're not stuck with them forever. Uh, now that sounds really horrible. So Lee, can you just save me from uh, me feeling really bad about saying No, 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 no. I'm going to just give you enough rope there. It's look, <laughs> uh, but on those things that are really highly skilled, especially with musicians, there's nothing wrong with having an agreement with those volunteers that says we expect you to still be taking professional instruction, practicing regularly and honing your skill. OK, there's there's nothing wrong with that if that's the particular setup that you've got. OK, so, you know, you can put anything in there. You are OK to do that when it comes to reviews. Uh, the and, and commitment we i think we're getting a bit more to we think uh almost like tv seasons or how things run and that you know people you know or alpha that's a good one actually like your alpha team probably go out twice a year at the points you run alpha and do you know the build up the course and the ramp down what a 12 to 14 week commitment look there's nothing wrong with that I'd, I'd probably encourage churches to be thinking like that with their connect groups, small groups, house groups, home groups, whatever that is that you call them, the breakdown of doing those into your homes and taking the large church into 
you know, uh, uh, splitting up discipleship and teaching and community. Look, get people to commit to almost run them like a season and have clear breaks. You don't need, don't, I think we're beyond having something that happens every week, apart from a couple of very core things congregationally as churches. But even then, we have appropriate times where stuff is quieter for one of the weeks normally at New Year and a couple of weeks in the summer. Like there are natural cycles, work with them and put your review periods around them. Uh, if something takes an awful lot of training to get somebody skilled up, be checking in with them very, very regularly to make sure they're OK and that they're not going to jump off when they realise it's difficult or they didn't like it or it's not for them, because there's also a higher investment in getting them up, up to that point. So, you know, get feedback, learn to feedback well and talk with people and give people the opportunity that actually, if it's not right, we don't think you're not for our mission and our vision. Like it's okay. Like if it happens like four or five times on the trot, we need to have a different chat with that individual or that team because something else is going on. But generally, I don't think everybody's going to find their fit first time on everything. So be prepared that people are going to are going to commit, but you know, help people learn how to finish well, that you're not left in the lurch, that you have an appropriate. Hey, look, if you quit, almost like handing in notice, it's absolutely fine. Uh, but would you would you be help? Would you would you be happy to work with us while we bridge that and get somebody else in if that's necessary, uh, so that you do it appropriately? So yeah, on ramping and off ramping well thought through processes that pretty much match what you would expect from an employed position. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Last one is uh, thinking about celebration and, and thank yous. And I think there's two parts to this. There's the, I think everyone would start to think about maybe the, you know, the yearly barbecue or something like that to say thank you. And that's one part of it. Um, I would also encourage you to also think about the, the weekly thank you the weekly celebration, the weekly way of doing it. Uh, There's a really good uh, church that Lee and I went to visit whilst we were out in the States. Um, it's a very large church, but I remember walking past and seeing they, they, they had a volunteer HQ. And it was just that they just had a, a little, um, what's that sort of black blackboard, you know, thingy, you know, that the, you know, kind of an A-shaped board. That's what it is, an A-shaped board. An, an A-frame. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be it. And, you know, like, um, uh, and they had that and it just had what they were giving away for their breakfast for the volunteers on there. Um, yeah. And I remember seeing it and it's just, you know, they were just the, the thank yous of saying we, we value enough to, you know, make you breakfast if we're expecting you to come at 7.30 in the morning. And, you know, we value enough. I've also heard other churches, they'll do the thing where, you know, if they're expecting teams to come early, they'll make sure they've got, you know, breakfast, they've got coffee, they've got those kind of things. It's actually worth expanding your budget. Um, and instead of, you know, expanding in areas like staffing, put that money into how can you create an amazing volunteer experience so that it feels worth it. I remember uh, getting up to serve uh, with um, an old church that I used to be part of and we had a, a, a plant in, in a city. And uh, we'd have to get there at 5.30 in the morning. And I loved it. I mean, I was quite young at the time. I was probably 14, 15, but it was brilliant. You get up and you get there and someone would buy you a McDonald's breakfast 
you know, have a coffee. It was great. The, the team feeling was, was really, really good. And I think when you have high celebration and high thank you and high input like that, you can expect a lot from your team. You, you know, that whole thing of, oh, you know, a team can't get there at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, they can. Yeah, they can. As long as the celebration, the thank you, that input, that, that is kind of like putting into people's bank accounts, uh, you know, emotional bank accounts is really high. Yeah. As long as you keep doing that, it's really it's, you'll get there. It's back a little bit. I think it was Lee Baker that said it. You know, we're referencing him a lot on this episode. He's a, um, he's a legend. But you you can't expect what you don't resource. And actually, the, if you want hospitality and you want kindness and a good welcome and you want your team to be fresh, alert, and to serve people well, resource them. That's not just training, it's an investment into them, the emotional aspect as individuals. Tin, you know, tin of biscuits, bowl of fruit, and putting on good coffee and drinks and tea and all the rest of it. Actually, ironically, needs someone to set that up, but um, it goes a long way to just going, look, you're in early. Like we'd all get that in most employed places as well, you know, turning up somewhere you can at least get drinks and you know things available so it's not it's not an unreasonable thing it does go a long way uh to to, to improve that or even a place to sit down for 10 minutes a, a secure place to put their bag and their coat a place that they you know this hq aspect just somewhere where you know just because you're in early your stuff shouldn't have to sit on the floor under the desk that you're working at you know just just be mindful of those things. Yeah. Another big thank you is, I mean, I'm a, I'm a parent of two kids, five and, and two years old. And if, if there is somewhere that your kids can be looked after, especially because, you know, we've got a lot more people joining churches now where there might be single parents, those kind of scenarios where that would be a barrier to entry. If, you know, they can't just hand off their, their children to their, spouse or grandparents or something that may not be possible so think about a great thank you is a way to say actually we will we will we will look after your kids and give them a really great morning so that you are enabled to serve and i think that's that is a great thank you that you can give to your team and that means that it does mean you've got to think about okay that's another team to be able to do that that does mean it's maybe another space you know you've got to create another space to do that but it's really worth the investment yeah hey look i i for us we joined a church as a family and with kids like yourself um we're not geographically near parents and other family members so you know and a lot of people that joining up churches that's never the case so if i'm on something and my wife is on something like saying that i got my kids volunteering that's what i did uh started small like lay out all the cups you know just little things i decided that this would be an investment if, if i'm there and i'm serving i'm i'm going to pass that very low expectation it's like i don't expect their attention to to stay quite the same as mine but i'm like hey you're here do you want to put some chairs out do you want to move some cables do you want to lay some cups out on the benches it's you know just start start demonstrating that and build it in as part of your uh, the behaviours that you have to get the culture that you want. Um, so we're evidence in it. No, no, we serve at church. And the expectation is if you're coming along with us, we're going to give you a couple of little jobs and get you doing some stuff as well. Um, it's uh, 
more messy with the three-year-old. Um, I normally have to redo all of that, but my, but my older one, you know what I mean? It's it's like good. So you you get to demonstrate and actually give away out of what you're doing and be an example to others around you as well with that. So yeah, don't don't underestimate the example that you can be. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we we are out of time uh, t- today. We were going to hit some of the uh, the legal stuff, but what we'd probably do is try and put that into a blog, or maybe have another uh, podcast about that. Um, yeah, I'd but- I'd like to get I'd like to get uh, one of our church office team on to come and have a look at some of the HR aspect and volunteer rights obligations and things that you need to do. Maybe look a bit more at what you go what can go wrong. So if you're listening to this and you've got any questions email us at hello at thinking.church well actually podcast at thinking.church oh, podcast at thinking.church yes and look we'll we'll put this together um and resource you as much as we can with uh with good information brilliant well thank you so much lee for today thank you for your time uh thank, thank you for your insight as always and uh yes we i will see you again next week for another podcast absolutely see you soon Cool. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church. And we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we will see you soon. Bye for now.